This is an ABC podcast. It's time to get out and about in the garden with Rowanna and Sabrina here on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Five past nine. Hello, hello. It's not Rowan, Sabrina, Sabs. I think maybe on her final week, she might even be just about jetting back to Australia after her incredible time on tour looking at gardens in Portugal. What kind of a gig is that? I have got with me today Grady Brand, who's retired, who was the senior curator at Kings Park and Botanic Garden for over 40 years. Grady, hello to you. Hello, Roy. Great to see you again. Yeah, likewise. Um, I was just telling you off air, I was up in the park yesterday for the um, Reconciliation Week event going on up there and Gosh, you forget how beautiful that place is. It's a great place. Look, even on my uh, little sojourn from Frio to here today to be with you, I went, let me just drive through and just refresh myself. And yeah, look, it's an inspirational place. Always has been. We're so spoiled. What do you miss most about it? Oh, look, look, I feel like I gave my heart and my soul Mm. to it. Mm. So I feel like I value added to Kings Park as a landscape. Yeah. And now it's sort of up to others to take over that and just take it to another dimension. It's always been a special place for forever. Mm. So I just sort of, I love it all really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maintain without making too much change to it, right? It's kind yeah. of like maintain it in for what for what we love about it. Oh, look, I think the the heart and the back. soul of it is the mm. is the bushland and mm. the botanic garden. It's all about plants from how I see the world. Yeah, yeah, that's what I see when from I that go aspect, through Kings Park. Looking over the city, isn't yeah, going to change is it? Um, have you been in touch with Sabrina Hahn at all? Have you seen any of her adventures? <laughs> She's been Sabrina Hahn, I just yeah, I love her journeys. <laughs> Who wouldn't go to Spain and Portugal? Right? <laughs> Tough gig, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ever do any of those kind of excursions? Did you, um, and in that role at Kings Park, did it take you to other botanical gardens around the world that you got to call yeah. a work trip? Look, I suppose what I did is we did ones within Western Australia. Mm-hmm. We took people on eco tours. Oh, yeah. The Kimberley, Canning Stock Route, the yeah. Pilbara. You know, Queen Victoria Springs, those sort of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I went and represented the Botanic Garden at the Chelsea Flower Show a couple oh, of wow. times. Yeah. And in Japan a couple of times <gasps> taking WA plants onto the world stage. Wow. So that was all pretty fun. That that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. So, <laughs> yes, that was a bit of a gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Why don't you this morning, uh, if you're listening at home and you've gone looking at gardens around the world or around the state, tell us about the ones that have impressed you most. You don't have to have a gardening question. You can just tell us about your experiences. If you do have a gardening question or you just want to share about where you've been, the numbers you need, you can give us a call and have a chat to Grady and myself, 1300-222-720. As always, you can also... Also send us a text 0437922720. And just a reminder, if you are listening on the ABC Listen app, you can in fact just click a button. It's as simple as that and you can get a call through or it can take you through to being able to send a text to the right number. This is this is modern technology and <laughs> how it all goes. Grady, should we jump into your calls today? 1300 Norm's given us a call. Norm is in Marmion. Hello. Hello, Norm. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Can you ah, hear there me? we go. Thank you. Uh, how can we help you this morning? Okay, I've got to clear my bird so I can park my caravan, and I've got two 30-year-old ponytails and a 30-year-old huge weeping mulberry, and I'm hoping that I can sell those to some landscaper. What are the chances of the mulberry succeeding in transplant? In transplant? Uh, the mulberry would be very successful, particularly, you know, oh, you okay. just wait until it... Is it's about losing its leaves very shortly, and yep. and should a uh, a company want that, now yes. is the appropriate time for sure. Okay, and does uh, something like a bobcat with lots of bit of, bit of soil around the roots should should do it? Yeah, look, I think uh, you might just engage uh, whoever is the successful person that wants to come yes. and do it, <laughs> and you Put know, it on them. because they're the ones that are going to be caring for it uh, in its new home. Yep. So yep, I think yep. you should just let them come and uh, do their professional approach and, you know, dig and yeah. cut the roots and, and lift it appropriately so that yeah. the, the ancient mulberry lives on. 
it's about six meters tall and six meters wide in the in the in the leaf spread, the brown spread. So it's yeah. a huge big tree. There's yeah. a lot of proof beforehand too. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be a you know just need some professionals to come and lift it appropriately so they don't destroy the the tree in the yes. in the shift. In the process, yeah. Have you got any thoughts on who might be interested in that? Oh, no, I, I don't. But you could start with some of the, the larger landscape companies or even some of the, the, the tree companies that do transplanting and, and ask that, do a bit of a ring around and, yeah. and see how you go. Good advice. Thank you. Good on you, Norm. Thanks very much for giving us a call this morning. 1300 222 720. If you'd like to do the same, we'll get through a few texts. 0437 922 720. If you missed the intro... Grady Brand is with me this morning. He's now retired, but he was the senior curator at Kings Park and Botanic Garden for over 40 years. As always, we'll take your questions on absolutely anything, but plants native to WA, they're pretty close to your heart really, aren't they, It's my forte. That's what I I spent my life loving and still do. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got uh, questions relating to plants native to Western Australia this morning, today would definitely be your day to jump on the phones and and give us a call. Um, Claire has sent us a text, Grady. Morning. I have a Tuckerbush round baby pig face. Um, Really want it to thrive. In Stoneville, we've compact rocky dirt. Other beds I have are very rich, too heavy. Do I buy some sand to mix in it? Can they go into potting mix in baskets? I love this plant. Please don't let me kill her, says Claire. Yeah, look, often when you, you know, I suppose trialling it in those uh, rocky areas, it's best not to incorporate a sand or a potting mix into the ground. Okay. So it's really just dig a, a, a larger hole. So if your plant is like 10 centimetres, dig one that's 30 by 30 and really open up that soil, plant it in there. And, yeah, I would try, if you really love that plant, try some different options. A hanging basket in a potting mix Mm -hmm. and a good quality one is well worth it, but full sun for those particular plants. Beautiful. Mark Tutak, in fact, brought in some baby pig face to the studio when he was in just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Sarah has given us a call. She's in Parkerville. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Um, I had uh, um, a lovely experience of uh, going to the zoo in Portugal uh, when I was uh, maybe five or six years old. And uh, I don't remember the animals, but I remember a cemetery, a cemetery for pets. And it was in the zoo with lovely uh, statues on the top of uh, of the um, of the tombs. Would you yeah, say like that? a gravestone kind of. Yeah, yeah, lovely gravestones. And as a child, I remember standing against the fence and uh, observing the beautiful um, stones and um, and the statues on the top of the tombs. It was just something oh, wow. amazing. So I was really hoping Sabrina was going to take the opportunity <laughs> yeah. to see how much. The Portuguese love their pets and uh, and they put them in the beautiful garden uh, in that particular zoo, which I cannot remember. Obviously, there is only one zoo in Lisbon, but yeah. I'm sure she she probably heard about it. Oh, she's I'm pretty sure she's back with me next week, Sarah. So um, you can either send us a quick text next week to remind me. Otherwise, I will do my best and um, ask Sab if she she checked it out while she was there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Good on you. Visited many pet cemeteries. Brady? I, there, there is one close to Corrigan in mm, uh, West that's Australia. Right, correct. Which is a pretty cool little yeah, place. Yeah. I, I like that because, you know, to me, pets are part of your garden. <laughs> They're part of your life. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something to be honoured, really. That's right. Especially if you're someone who doesn't necessarily live in the same place for a long time. You know, you often yeah. put them in the backyard or if you're on a property and you think you're going to be there forever, it's one thing. But to yeah. be able to put them somewhere as beautiful um, as what Sarah said is is also lovely too. Let's head to Chris who's up in the Pilbara. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. How can we help? I just want to find out. I've put a, I'm in Geraldton and I've put a couple of pencil pines at the front of my house. Um, a couple of metres off my house. I just want to make sure with the root system that's okay. It's online. There's a mixed mixed bag of what, if you should or shouldn't, really. <laughs> yeah, what do you, you reckon, Grady? Yeah, look, pencil pines, you know, don't have a, a huge root system to sort of uh, do anything to your footings of your house. And in the modern day of, uh, you know, PVC 
plumbing and pipes, it's sort of not really an issue penetrating those pipes. It's more like uh, whether the size of that pencil pine in another 10 years' time might be a little bit large for that location. So that's probably your biggest thing to think through, whether they're appropriately placed. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for that. Good on you, Chris. Thanks for giving us a call this morning. 1300 222 720 if you'd like to do the same. It's quarter past nine. Rowanna back with you. Um, and Grady Brand is with me, who was the senior curator at Kings Park and Botanic Garden for over 40 years. Speaking of Kings Park, um, hi, Grady, says this text. Lovely to hear your voice. <laughs> Paola, the Kings Park guide. Help, Paola writes. I'm helping a dear friend create a native garden. Grevillea, Bankshire, Geraldton Wax, etc., but the space has a lot more of shade. The garden is narrow and north-facing, but it faces neighbours' back fence, so gets shade for a good part of the year. It will have full sun over summer. We're desperate for natives. Does sun part shade mean sun in summer and shade much of the year? Am I kidding myself? <laughs> will we be wasting our money? What would any no. recommendations no, be? No, there is a selection of plants that sort of tolerate... Uh, these hard locations and many people have those in their gardens because you know of the the urban landscape yep yep so trying to find plants corazimas are a good one that uh, that fit into that mm-hmm. you know woolly bush are good ones oh, yeah there's hibertia grossulera folia that copes quite well as a ground cover so there are a selection of plants that uh, will will be quite okay in that situation. So you're not kidding yourself. Give it a go. (laughs) Sounds like don't give up. That's what I took from that. Um, Let's head now to Anne, who's in Nedlands. Good morning, Anne. Oh, hi there. I was lucky enough to be in Ballarat a few weeks ago and saw some lovely eucalypts that were actually being grown in large pots. And I was wondering if you think it's possible to grow... um, you know, a, a nice flowering eucalypt in a large pot in WA in the metropolitan area. I'm in an area where there's a lot of paving and um, I wouldn't have a space to plant a tree. It certainly is. And there's a few key things for you to do. Uh, it is about a, a large pot and they can live for 20, 30 years without a problem. But your potting mix must have a high sand contact because a right. lot of a lot of uh, pine barks and different potting mixes uh, rot down very quickly and they turn to a bit of a, a silty glug, really, and it's not the, the right potting solution. So whatever potting mix you do get, you must incorporate a, a, a coarse, gritty sand in with that for the longevity of your eucalypt in your pot and regular feeding, so... It, you must keep doing that, you know, if it's a five to six month native uh, uh, slow release fertiliser, you must do that every six months. Okay. And any particular uh, eucalypt you might suggest? In oh, terms there's, of... there's so many. You could do the, the rose melly, which is uh, eucalyptus rhodantha. Yeah. That's beautiful in a pot. Even silver princess is really lovely in a pot. Uh, eucalyptus macrocarpa is beautiful in a pot. You know, cru- eucalyptus cruziana is beautiful in a pot. So there's many small eucalypts. If you go onto lots of these sites and, and just type in small ornamental eucalypts for Western Australia, I'm sure even Kings Park's website will, will have a list of uh, those species. And uh, they're fantastic in pots. I think it's one of those underestimated uh, outcomes that a lot of urban gardeners could could adopt. Mm. Good on you, Anne. Thanks for giving us a call. Thank you. Uh, Leslie has sent us a text, Grady. Good morning. I'm collecting a free tree from the city of Belmont this morning. It's a native hibiscus. I live in Rivervale. Where would it best be planted? Look, most natives are full sun. Uh, The native hibiscus, I'm not sure exactly which one that is, but Mm -hmm. it is a full sun aspect for 
the majority of West Australian plants. Okay. Maddie in Hilton has also sent us a text on 0437 922 720. Hello, writes Maddie. I was wondering if there is any way to grow a Kwandong plant in a small suburban garden, possibly in a pot, says Maddie. Um, I'll answer that first. Do you think that's possible, Grady? That is possible. You just have to companion plant it. Right. Uh, with a with a host, mm-hmm. and that that could be anything from a conostylus to a you know a, a dichondra or or something that's not going to actually compete for the the moisture as much, but just uh, provide a little bit of a host for them. Okay. Speaking of dichondra, Maddie continued, "What might be going on if I have a silver dichondra in a hanging basket?" that is going brown with wilting leaves close to the centre of the plant. It gets regular water and occasional weak seaweed solution. Yeah, look, most of the plants in hanging baskets require regular feeding and sometimes in hanging baskets, even if you think you've watered them regularly, they can get cones within that soil mix which are hydrophobic and are really actually as dry as chips so sometimes putting a wetter soil on and and sitting that uh, pot in a bucket of water just to really hydrate but regular feeding is the key for hanging baskets okay beautiful thank you um daniel is in ballanyup hello daniel good morning how are you yeah good thank you what's your problem yeah, so we had a gum removed 12 months ago and the tree stump grounded down and we planted a row of lilacs as a hedge for our next-door neighbours. And the gum is uh, seems to be re-spouting in one, one section between our lilacs. Now, is there something that we can do to get rid of the sprouting of the, of the gum because it seems to be um, mixing in with all the roots and taking the nutrients out from our lilacs? Yeah, look, the you know, I suppose some eucalypts, as we know, uh, propagate from seeds, and some have that ability to have uh, shoots at their base. They're called mallies, and I think uh, the tree that has been re- uh, removed must be one of those mallies, and so they've got the ability to to reshoot. Look, the easiest without going to chemical warfare would be uh, to expose those roots as carefully as possible and just keep removing the roots with those buds that are, are causing that growth. Okay, no worries. Thanks, Daniel. Have a good weekend. Um, Kate has sent us a text. She's up in Exmouth, Grady. Morning. How long do I need to wait to plant fruit trees in an area where a big eucalyptus used to grow? The stump is still there. Will this still give off uh, allopathic properties? Love your show. Yeah, look, I don't think uh, you probably need to wait all that long, but what I would do is wherever you choose to plant, I would excavate quite a large hole, you know, even a metre by a metre, remove the roots from that eucalypt, enrich the soil because, you know, those uh, fruit trees, stone fruit, citrus, whatever you're doing, they require a lot higher water holding, Mm -hmm. uh, a good mulch on the surface. But, yeah, it's just the preparation of that soil which is the key. Okay. Thank you. Do you know a bit about kumquats? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. We've got an email that's come through on Perth Weekends, all one word, all lowercase. This is the email address for those of you at home who've got the pen handy, perthweekends at your.abc.net.au. One more time, perthweekends at your.abc.net.au. This has come from Maria. My kumquat tree appears to have a major problem with the bark peeling off. It has some fruit on, um, but leaves are falling off. It has been, it has not been over fertilized nor under overwatered. Have had my, many crops of this um, ten year plus off this ten year plus tree. Can't see any sign of life around the problem. Can you advise? Do you have any yeah. ideas? Yeah. Well, Ooh. most citrus. The one of the thumb rules is uh, not to remove too much of the lower growth because. It is really important that the citrus uh, protect their trunk. Right. And I think what's happened here, this uh, tree looks like it's been pruned. All the the bottom mm. growth has been rep- uh, removed. And what happens is the sun then comes in right. and it burns the bark. 
And as we know, trees grow within just the, the outside two, three, four mil. That's where all the nutrients go up. Yep. The water goes up and down. And so once that bark is burnt, you know, basically half the tree is mm. uh, immobilised and it will take a shock. And that's what I think is probably the primary the cause. The cause. It's sunburn on the, on the trunk. Can it come back? Slowly. Yeah. Uh, and it's really just to protect. It's a cool time of year now, so yeah. there's no drama. But, you know, often at the end of summer or right in the heart of summer, when there's a lens of light that comes through, that's what I think has uh, caused the, the problem on that kumquat. All right. Thank you. Good luck with that, Maria. Robert has sent us an email as well, perthweekends at your.abc.net.au. Grady, can you please advise what is wrong with my beetroot? They are not growing properly and have developed very deep colour veins and curly leaves. Is it anything to do with the thrip problem that decimated my garden? As those picks just start to bring them up for you, Grady. Hmm. Well, you know, beetroot is probably one of the the uh, most vigorous, quick-growing crops one could have in their veggie patch. Right. Um, you know, and all good vegetables are grown well with a, you know, nice, well-enriched soil in a full sun aspect. I, I wonder whether this is old soil that the mm. the beetroot have gone into. And once plants are in a, a potting mix that they're not really all that happy about, they get prone to every which pest. Right. Whereas if they're grown in a fresh, new, enriched sheep manure, cow manure, you know, organically enriched compost soil, mm. there's sort of no looking back. Yeah, okay. They're just often racing. So I think the health of that beetroot is about the soil. Okay, thank you. Uh, hope that helps, Robert. Uh, we're coming up to 27 past nine on Roots and Shoots. Uh, Rowanna with you and Grady Brand with me, who is a senior curator at Kings Park and Botanic Gardens for over 40 years in the place of Sabrina Hahn, who I think must be pretty close to making her way back from Portugal. Um, Sab's pick of the week. Yes, she made sure she had enough in the queue to get us through. Uh, coming your way in about three or four minutes from now. But before then, we're going to head down to Kojana because Helen's been waiting patiently. Hello, Helen. Oh, hello. How are you? Hello. How can we help um, you? Well, I'm trying to grow a hot pink calisthman and I've killed three in the <laughs> garden. I've killed one in a pot and the current one is on life support in a pot on the on the veranda. So I'm just wondering how, what I'm doing wrong or how they need to be planted. Yeah, look, bottle brushes can be a little bit prone to um, to uh, drought conditions, and they, you know, once once a plant dries out, its future is really uh, not very good, and so. You know, always to grow, you know, the perfect plant is to make sure you source a really good quality plant, you know, not one that's overgrown and a bit cheap and, you know, something somebody gave you. So source a really good quality uh, calistamine. And once again, it's about wherever you put it in the ground, you know, digger. And if you're in up, then the soil's possibly a little bit heavier. So really... Dig a good hole. Uh, you don't have to put any additional uh, mixes in there apart from a slow-release fertiliser. And it is about regular watering. So I would sort of be on a, yeah, a, a once that. a week. You've tried yeah, all that? I was over-watering. Yeah, tried all that. And this one, they start, they, the tip leaves go brown and then they just go brown further down the branch until I've got a stick. Yeah, well, look, then... I think you might just have to change uh, horses because, uh, you know, clearly something in your soil. I'm not sure what the history of your garden yeah. is. You know, sometimes if people have put excessive fertilisers on from a previous garden, you buy the house, there's too much nutrient in the soil. So there's a few... I'm actually on a farm, um, Grady. Yep. So, yeah. Mm, okay. We, we started the farm and I don't think I've put too much manure because I know that um, natives just 
sort of grow in whatever soil they're in. But I've tried it in three different spots and they don't grow well in pots, I'm guessing, because one on the veranda died. So just dig another hole and try again. You can try again, but, you know, life is short. I, <laughs> I would... Uh... I, I know but you I love this. I, I know, I know. I can. That is not I can, the answer, Helen. I can tell that, Helen. <laughs> I'll have to go to Kings. I'll go to Kings Park uh, and see it up there. Yeah. Look, you know, try try a few different locations, but uh, yeah, sometimes okay. you you might just have to jump horses. <laughs> I love your persistence, okay, Helen. <laughs> Thanks for giving us a call this morning. Uh, on our way to Sabbath's Pick of the Week, let's go to Gary, who's in City Beach. Hello, Gary. Uh, yes, greetings. Um, yeah, I've got these uh, um, plants which are underneath a, a gum tree which the council planted from, and they don't don't know what it is. It's some eastern states uh, spreading gum tree of quite large size. <clears throat> We've got lots of native plants which we put in and a protea and that be at least a year uh, maybe a year and a half old and none of them have grown in size since they were planted we did put a protea in the previous year and that eventually died the ph factor of the sand is is 7.5 and i don't know what to do to uh, to actually get them to grow in size, we've been watering them, so they're not short of particular of water. But what else to do? I don't know, or whether they're just inappropriate underneath the gum tree. Look, Gary, there's a there's a few things that quickly come to mind for me. You know, underneath a eucalypt, that the the soil, of course, is uh, is is sucked dry by that eucalypt because it's a very large yeah. one. So yeah. you've got root competition. And, of course, you've got a shade factor. So it is about selection of species. So if it's local natives, a lot of local natives are used to living in full sun. Well, we do get the full westerly sun underneath the tree. I mean, the tree uh, uh, tends to keep them shaded from the east sun and until midday, but certainly they get full afternoon sun. Yeah. The tree is so high and spreads up at the, at the top from there, so it doesn't stop any afternoon sun coming in from about uh, or 2 o'clock onwards. Okay. All I would suggest is that you up your applications of wetter soil and, uh, and feed. Now, some of these plants that have been there and haven't done very well, dare I say it might be best to remove them and go and buy yourself an, a new quality plant. And, uh, and, you know, dig yourself a 30 by 30 hole, prep that soil up by just aerating it, get the wetter soil in it, put the fertiliser in and keep, and keep that wetter soil application going perhaps once a month through summer and try and get them really well established under that big tree. Thank you, Grady. Thank you, Gary, for your call this morning. Uh, coming up to 27 to 10, so we better do it. It is that time again. It is Sabrina's musical pick of the week. Pick of the week. I know you're going to dig this. Here we go now. Do you listen to Sab's musical pick of the week? Are you familiar with her playlist a bit, Grady? I, I've <laughs> just, I will just say that I leave Sab to it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I try. Well, actually, I try and keep her under control to some extent, but generally fail. Um, She did leave three song picks in the can. And this one, straight from Sab's mouth, this is a great rap song, she says. I dedicate this to all the farmers and their families who are seeding. This will keep you awake and give you something to jiggle to in the seat. Here you go. This is Sab's pick of the week. It's called Rapunzel by Draft. Yeah, yeah. From the moment we met, I was breathless. And not as best as breathless. 
All right, there we go. That was Sab's pick of the week. A few of your reactions that have come through instantly. I should say, Grady, we've also had some lovely texts that are thoroughly enjoying your knowledge that you're sharing this morning, which is um, beautiful. Fab Choice Sab and Draft is a great local Perth artist. Love your work, Sandy and Reggie Dog in Scarborough. Peter says, as soon as it started, I went, yes. Um, Kathy says, love Draft, local Perth talent. Great pick, Sab. Um, uh, love this. Oh, another compliment for you. Love this gardening man. Um, I'm going to try a small eucalypt in a pot now, says Rosie. Good job. Brett says, just as well, Sab is not here to listen to the reaction to this crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, some of Sab's selections are okay, but this is a shocker. Uh, we need to send Sabrina to bed without her tea for this one. William says, pick of the week, yep, Um, this pensioner will willingly turn his cap backwards and wear his boxes sticking out of his shorts. Great tune. Mike in Sorrento, great choice. Uh, Another text says, terrible, stop it now. Uh, Ro, what a banger, says another texter. Uh, Annie and Chidlow are regular. Nope, she can do better than this. I was jumping about anyway because it's so bloody cold, but the song kept stopping, says Annie. And Rosie says, good morning. Bloody awful song. There you go. Mixing it up. That's what Sam likes to do. Get different reactions from all of you. Um, We are about to go to a special guest. But before that, we might go to Rob in Rockingham, who has been waiting super patiently. Hey, Rob. Hi, yeah. Yeah. My question, basically, I've got a a, a macadamia in a pot, and uh, I want to know if I can put it in the ground in Rockingham. pH is probably about eight. What do you reckon, Grady? Yeah, look, most of those nut trees, I think, would prefer it more on the acidic side. So you you could have a little bit of a problem. But, you know, you can change the pH of your soil by incorporating organic matter. So a, a good compost and probably plenty of it to start it on its journey. Just depends how close you are to the, the coastal influence as well because salt air can be a little bit oh, yeah. uh, harsh on such a thing. So perhaps have a little bit of a think about that and, and, and do a little bit of research about macadamia growing because it's a commercial crop and there will be a lot on the, the internet from uh, the ag departments and the mm. like and get the best information before you uh, put it in the ground. All right, coming up to 20 to 10. Gardening with Rowanna and Sabrina on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Except it's not Sabrina, it's the former curator at Kings Park and Botanic Garden with me, Grady Brand, at the Kalamunda Garden Festival. It's on tomorrow, Sunday the 4th of June from 10 till 3 at Sturt Park in Kalamunda. ABC Gardening presenter Sophie Thompson will be there and I'm delighted to say she joins us on the line now. Sophie, Hello. Good morning, Rowanna and Gravy. Nice to be talking to you. Um, tomorrow you're going to be talking about gardening for health and well-being, as, as we understand it. Um, talk to us about the connection between gardening and, and mental health, Sophie. Well, I should say I'm totally biased, but I think gardening <laughs> is the solution to everything environmental. But if we look at, you know, um, community, whatever it is, but if we look at our personal health and well-being, and I'm talking both physical and mental, gardening has so much to offer. I mean, the first thing it does is it gives us the opportunity for relaxation. Mm. Uh, it gives us exercise and actually, you know, it can actually work your entire muscle groups and it's low impact and it can be fantastic when we do it well. Um, in terms of physical health, you know, there are numerous studies that show that gardening is good for us, ranging from um, helping us manage our stress so we don't end up with you know, uh, high blood pressure and all sorts of things. But even Mm. down to there's some studies that show that if you're in hospital and you have a green view, so you're not looking on like, you know, best of brick wall, um, you'll require less pain medication than those without. So, you know, gardening gives us physical benefits. And in terms of the mental benefits, um, I think COVID and and Mm. challenges of the last few years have really showed that our gardens can be a sanctuary and help us manage our stress before we end up with mental health problems. And then finally, I'll just throw it in there, that Mm. if you grow at least part of your own fruits, veggies and herbs, gardening gives you the opportunity to have um, optimal nutrition, and that is so important. Mm. Um, I ask you, and I could probably ask Grady the same, Sophie, both of you spend plenty of days out in the garden. Do you notice a change in your body, in yourself, when you haven't (laughs) been out there? 
as much Absolutely. as you'd like. You know, if, if um, I mean, there's two things. First off, to me, my garden is my sanctuary, and even just you know, driving in, you know, you feel your shoulders drop and your heart rate slows, particularly if you've had a rough day or, you know, be caught in traffic or whatever it is. But then, um, you know, getting your hands in the soil, there is something so scientifically, well, it's now scientifically proven, but there's something so satisfactory about getting your hands in the soil. What do you think, Grady? Yeah, look, I'm I'm probably a little like you, Sophie, a little bit uh, biased on this. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, the connection to the to the earth is does something amazing. You know, I find myself wandering around even at breakfast time with a cup of tea and a piece of toast in the garden, and before I go to bed with the head torch. So, you know, I'm probably at the other end of the spectrum on that. But yeah, the connection to the outside, uh, the best room in the house, the garden. Is, is definitely me, mm. so yeah. Uh, Sophie, what's your involvement tomorrow at the Garden Festival if people want to go along and what will you be talking about or, yeah, tell us more about your involvement. Sure. Well, so I'm doing three talks at the Garden mm. Show. Um, at 10.15 I am talking about gardening for health and wellbeing. At 12.15 I'm talking about cooler, greener, more livable gardens. Not only more livable for us but for, you know, um, biodiversity and urban habitat. So I'll be talking about that and how... You know, whatever your space garden, we can actually use it to cool down, um, green up and cool down, which is really important when countries around the world are looking at the urban heat island effect. I mean, Germany's worried about it. So in Australia, we definitely need to be mindful of it. And then the last talk I'm doing is on um, garden woes and dealing with pests and diseases in an organic and sustainable way. And I'm there as one of many gardening um, speakers. So Jerry Colby Williams is there from um, now. Jerry, of course, um, is from Queensland, but he used to work at um, uh, be involved with Kings Park and and has a great knowledge of WA. Darren Thorpe, Neville Passmore, Faye Caro, Digby Grounds. There's there's so many different speakers and I can't wait to see all the plant stalls and garden-related stalls. Oh, sounds like uh, it'll be a fabulous day, Sophie. Um, enjoy it and uh, thanks for having I a chat with us. will. Great to talk to you and hope to see lots of your listeners at the Kalamunda Garden Festival tomorrow. Beautiful. Thank you. That's Sophie Thompson there from the ABC, uh, Gardening Australia. And if you'd like to know more, you can head to uh, www.calamundagardenfestival.com.au. I just had a really polite text from someone without a name. It's not rude at all, saying that it feels like I'm shouting at them today. And I don't know, I don't think my audio's up any louder. It's maybe because you're such a gentle voice, Grady, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to Sabrina, who's oh. usually shouting with me and cackling and carrying on. So I'll, um, I've, I've had a look at the sound and I'll keep an eye on it. And hopefully I don't want you at home to feel like I'm shouting at you <laughs> this morning. You're just excited, Dro. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's winter. It. And you're a winter girl. But yeah, let's go with that. We're going to go with that. <laughs> um, we've got about 15 minutes left on the show this morning. If you want to ask Grady a question, 1300 You can also send through a text. We've got quite a few of those to get through. I'm going to go to Jill first, and then we'll get through some of these texts. Hello, Jill. Good morning, Grady and Rose. How are you? Good, thanks. A couple of gardening uh, problems. Mm. I've got uh, several of those um, grass plants for blue fescue in my garden. I think I might have uh, maybe a couple of different varieties, but one variety has sort of overlaid and it's about uh, a metre across. And I'm just wondering, it's dead underneath, but it's all green on top. So I'm just wondering how to prune those plants. Yeah, look, some people uh, take a big gamble and give it a number one haircut. And sometimes they don't come back. Um, So often with those big grassy plants, there is sort of a life expectancy of them. And Mm. if it's sort of got to that point, then sometimes it's actually best just to out with the old and in with the new. I would have anything over five years. I think you probably, you know, 10 years definitely. But uh, if it's sort of looking a little bit tired, then a bit of youthful vigour is always <laughs> is always the go-to. We all like youthful vigour, and well, the garden and the so. garden is no different. <laughs> yep. Okay. And now the other problem, I've got a desert rose in a pot, which I've been mothering for a few <laughs> years, and it's not easy in the southwest. Um, anyhow, I notice now that it's got some of that white woolly 
I don't know whether that's an aphid or a, a scale, on the tips of the branches and some of the leaves are going a bit brown, which they sometimes do when it gets a bit colder anyhow. So can I just spray that with white oil or...? You can. I, I, think it, I, th- I think it'll be a cottony cushion or mealy bug, oh, yes, one, yes. one of those two. Yeah, mealy bug, I think it is. Uh, yeah. If it's mealy bug, then yes, uh, you know, one of those um, eco oils. Uh, yep. is the go and just you know do it at, at the end of the day and and don't don't scorch the plant but this time of year you're probably pretty good but of course those uh, plants do slow down a little bit in uh, in yeah. the winter time yes all right thanks grady no worries good on you jill thanks, thanks for giving us a call this morning um we've got a few texts here grady banking up that i'd love to get through with you so we might get through a few of these zero four three seven nine double two seven twenty is the number you need if you want to send through your own Stuart in karen up says what are some dog friendly native alternatives to grass Oh, well some of the grevilleas there's a, a prostrate grevillea grevillea obtusifolia that's pretty tough. So is Grevillea chrythmifolia. Mm-hmm. There's a prostrate version of that. Uh, yeah, dogs are a little bit unfriendly on plants, mm-hmm. but uh, some of those prostrate uh, Grevilleas are, are really tough. Where you would be directing Stuart. Thank you. Hi, Grady. Love listening to your wisdom. I have a dwarf Banksia menzesi. 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 Thank Mm -hmm. you. In a tube. Mm -hmm. How large can I expect it to grow? And any tips for planting, keeping it alive in Kalamunda? Yeah. Look. That's right. From Sarah. That's okay. That soil's fine. Uh, Just a full sun aspect. It'll grow potentially 1.5 metres by Mm -hmm. 1.5. Terminal flowers and flowers this time of year. It's a magic plant. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for your text. Um, Ricky's in Girraween. I've acquired some mudger seeds and I'm wondering if there is any chance I'm going to be able to get them to germinate. Is there anything special I should do? The Christmas tree as we know it or what is it? Florib, Nutsia, Florib. I can't even remember the <laughs> well, <laughs> something close to You're very good, Rob. I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> thank you. It's Nutsia Floribunda. Oh, close. I'm the West there. Australian <laughs> Christmas tree. Look, uh, the key to West Australian Christmas trees is fresh seed. So if he's obtained seed, hopefully that's the seed that just came uh, ripe in about March or April of this year. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that little wing seed, they have one end has a little hole. And, of course, you go, well, that must be where the uh, radical will emerge from. So you just put, you just bury that uh, seed so you still see a little bit of the wing with the hole down and you just keep it moist but sow it right now into a good potting mix mm-hmm. um, and it should germinate in six six weeks' time and... Uh, you can even sow some direct into your garden. That's often a better thing if you know where you want that uh, Christmas tree. Mm. Just put it straight in and then you don't have to worry about hosts because it will go off and find its own host mm. in your garden. Okay, very good. Um, staying on the same topic, Lindsay has given us a call in Bremer Bay. Hey, Lindsay. Oh, hi there. How are you going? Good. Loving the show. Thank you. Uh I'm liking your voice and I'm especially liking Grady's voice. Oh, very good. Very good. (laughs) Hello, Lindsay. (laughs) Hello, Grady. How are you, my friend? Very well, thank you. That's good. Uh, How is your Christmas tree? Well, how can how can this be that you're talking Christmas trees before I come I on? I know. You've probably solved my answer. The stars have um, aligned, my, yes? Yes, something has happened. My Christmas tree, I'm going to see it again in about four or five weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've trimmed him all back and, um, you know, we cleared out all of the weeds and we planted lots of natives around it to try and give it every opportunity. Um, I was intrigued grady can we propagate a christmas tree can we like you know like scratch the the trunk or anything like this to actually get it propagating i didn't even go down thinking of the seed line that you've just spoken of but yeah look the seed line is really a line that uh, you would do it for your grandkids because it sort of takes about yeah, okay. 20 years from a seed for it to flower yes. uh, so it is a long process but a still a good one uh, but, you know, Christmas trees are probably the one of the hardest things to have in your garden because 
it depends on how your neighbours are, if they are into glyphosate spraying uh, yeah. or, you know, there's a number of factors. They become quite tricky in a home garden because uh, they're susceptible to disturbance within the, within the garden bed and yep. also from neighbours because they will uh, use your neighbours' trees as hosts and if they're having practices that, uh, you know, are detrimental to the Christmas tree, like uh, using glyphosate, then yep. that will affect your Christmas tree. So they are probably at the top end of the scale for I'm a bit of a fuss pot in a garden <laughs> situation. Okay. Well, based on that then, Grady, and this is a curly one, um, what plant can you suggest that solves my wife's broken heart when this Christmas tree <laughs> finally disappears? Well, look, Bremer Bay, you're at the biodiversity hotspot. So <laughs> I I personally would have sp swapped to uh, the scarlet Banksia, Banksia coccinia, uh, yep, Banksia yep, yep. baxteri. Even if you want to adopt a bit of esperance in your yard, there's the uh, Banksia speciosa. I think I would have gone for some of those iconic south coast, the the Hakea Lorena. You know, you're you're in plant heaven down there, Lindsay. <laughs> we are. Go we go are go and wild. And, and I want you to keep it a secret, please. I don't want anyone to know about it. Hmm. <laughs> you come to the Banksia, right place for that. I think you've just hit the mark. Mate, thank you so much for that. Much appreciated. All Enjoy. the best, hey? Thanks, Lindsay. Enjoy Bremer. Mm, absolutely. Um, Elaine has given us a call. She's in Kewdale. Hello. Yes, hi. I have. Um, I just um, sold a ficus tree to a lovely couple, and unfortunately, as they were getting it out, the root has gone right down through the slabs and into the ground. If it's cut off, will it still survive? It will survive, but it is about aftercare. So normally if a big ficus, and if it's going to stay in the pot, is it? Is it going to stay in its pot for it? It is going to stay in the pot, yeah, apparently they said, yeah. Okay, so you can either, once it's cut, yes, there will be a disturbance and a, a flow, you know, a lack of uh, nutrient and water going to that plant. So it has to be compensated. So, you know, make sure that pot is kept well wet. You know, some wetter soil, perhaps pot it up into a bigger yep. size pot. Uh, so yep. it's about just giving that plant, you know, a new world to live in. Sometimes you can yep. get on your cordless drill and actually drill some holes mm. into the, the pot and drop in some slow-release fertiliser and then fill those holes with some potting mix as well. Oh, okay, so potting mix and some, so, uh, sorry, what was slow, that? Slow-release fertiliser. Oh, slow-release so, fertiliser. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's quite big. It is quite large. Yeah, so, so they'll have success. <laughs> and 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 wetter soil in these pots is a critical thing, and it's not just a one fix all. Mm. It's a regular wetter soiling. I probably would be promoting every six weeks to two months. You just keep putting on a little bit at a time, just to make sure it's evenly wet right throughout that pot. Good on you, Elaine. Have a great long weekend. Um, Libby has sent us an email, perthweekends at your.abc.net.au. Grady, she'd like your help to tell her what's wrong with her grevillea. Yeah, look, grevilleas are quite, they love summer, probably don't like winter as much. Um, I think a lot of grevilleas do lose leaves internally, in, in particularly in winter time. So, there's nothing to worry about with your grevillea that's getting a little bit of you know, yellow leaves. Uh, you know, always a bit of a light tip pruning and uh, it will really, it will pick up in uh, October, November because they much prefer that time of year for, for growing. Very good. Uh, the Christmas trees are going red hot on the text. Um, please be cautious, says one texter, where you grow the Australia's Christmas in your garden as they can strangulate and cut through cables. Uh, Nutsia floribunda planted over 40 years ago in Kalaroo from seedling. Host is probably wattle or limestone marlock, probably 10 foot tall, but still no flowers. Any mm. suggestions? Oh, it's a patience game with that uh, tree. <laughs> Look, my uh, history in Kings Park has seen them uh, flower after 20, but okay. uh, 
yeah, it's just a, a patience. Hang in there. <laughs> uh, and Michael says um, he's got Christmas trees and has been spraying right up to the base um, of them for decades with glyphosate, and they are going extremely well. He says. Thank you, Michael. Um, hi, folks. Is it the right time to plant everlasting daisy seeds? Enid would like to know. It's the perfect time. Look, it really depends when you want them to flower. You can start from early May and they will then start flowering from early August. If you sow now, they will start flowering in mid-September or early September. You can probably, the cutoff is the end of this month, but you could even do the first week in July. Okay. Uh, and good morning, Bob in Rolly Stone writes, I have a Kwandong planted with a wattle, happy for 10 years, but now it's losing its leaves. Can you help at all? Mm. Yeah, something some of, something in its companionship with uh, one of its hosts, mm. whether the wattle is losing vigour or whether the wattle is now out-competing the, the Kwandong or the, the Santalum. Yeah, look, without actually seeing the yeah, situation, but there's a, there's a competition thing going on. Okay. Uh, Greg is in Mount Lawley. He's having a problem at the Mount Lawley Golf Club trying to keep banksias growing under river red gums. They're stunted. Good sun, others growing well, but not near the river red gums. Yeah, look, uh, it may depend on the the type of banksia. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe uh, there's if they are... The sand plain banksias that are quite surface rooting, they might not like the competition from the red river gum. You mm-hmm. might have to swap to, you know, a Praemorsa or a Grandis or some other one that is sort of more used to a bit of competition from trees. Okay. Uh, last text. This comes from Tony and Beverly, and you don't even have to do any work, Grady. I've just finished, Tony wanted to share, reading the most fascinating book on trees. It's called The Life of Trees, What They Feel, How They Communicate, by a German forester and author called Peter Wallaben. I think I've said that right. I promise anyone who reads his work that they'll look with even greater joy and admiration at our arboreal planet mates. <laughs> so, we, trees are life, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, good on you, Tony. Thank you for that message. And Grady, thank you. Thank good you, stuff. Ro. Great. Uh, 55 minutes with you, answering plenty of questions. Um, Sabrina Hahn, as I understand it, will be back with us for Roots and Shoots next weekend. So thank you to all of you at home as well. Enjoy your WA Day long weekend and please stay safe if you're out on the roads. It's now 10 o'clock. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.